Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country, with a pedal to the metal, with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome, listeners just joining us across the country through the miracle of the Internet. You missed a great meal, and, and honestly, a great meal. Now, we're, we're privileged to have the Hill Groups here with us from northeast Philly, like seriously northeast Philly. How, what is it, an hour and a half from here, hour and 45? Long ride, long ride. So, they, so if you live, it, they've thrown down the gauntlet. If you live uh, closer than an hour and 45, there's no excuse for you to be here. Every week you hear me talk about the food. Now they can testify. We know how to eat up in this Kehala. So... Uh, what we usually do is we get together for a great meal and laughter and, and sharing uh, between 5 and 5.30, and then, of course, we get started here. So come on and join us. What we're doing here is, is very different, but also very similar. We're kind of going back and gathering up our roots. We're blazing a trail of both old and new styles of study and worship of Adonai Elohim's son, Yeshua Hamashiach. We are decidedly politically incorrect, and we cut it straight, and we go straight to the point. We are unmistakably pro-Israel. And we make no apology for being pro-Israel and pro-America. And that needs to be said. Pro-America and pro-Israel. You know what? If you're pro-America but you're not pro-Israel, you're not pro-America. So uh, it's important for you to realize that we here, we take a stand. We stand with Israel. Uh, We do uh, everything that we can to help support Israel. And I am the Black Robe Regiment. Now, look, you'll notice to the extent that we can, we're going to use words that are uh, biblically accurate, they're appropriate uh, in the Hebrew, um, all the different places in Scripture that we can, we want, to, we want to, try to we try to include those. And we'll try to tell you what those are. If we say a Hebrew word, we'll try to tell you what it is. Look, I'm not pretending to be Jewish, although I'd be very proud to be Jewish, and we have some Jewish folks among us today. The thing we have to remember is that the pens of the Bible are being held by predominantly Hebrew people teaching us through their shared struggle and their experiences of faith. The Hebrew people are the origin of our faith. We are not their origin or even the perfecter of their faith. They are our origin, and Yeshua is the perfecter of our faith. Yeshua is the Hebrew name for the Lord. It means Yahweh, the Lord is salvation. Now, here's how it kind of went. This is the game of telephone played 2,000 years. You see, the, the English spelling of Yeshua is Joshua. However, when translated from Hebrew into the Greek language, the name Yeshua becomes Jesus in Greek. The English spelling for Jesus is Jesus. Now you know how we got that name. So like I said, it's like the game of telephone played over 2,000 years. Well, 
she chose to do is cut out the middleman, go straight to it, and just go by his original and actual name, Yeshua. Listen, while you have it, I always get yelled at for doing this, uh, for not doing this. While you have the chance, click on follow and subscribe here at blogtalkradio.com backslash the ninja pastor. Or what's even easier is Sean, the super duper uh, tech guy, uh, God and Country Radio. Uh, Just go over to that, facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. Click on like. And then up underneath my picture, click on sign up. It'll take you to do everything you need to do. Super easy. There's uh, past messages and radio shows there because we do a radio every Monday uh, called The Collision of uh, Faith and Politics. Tomorrow will be our last day on TogiNet. Important to remember. So we'll do a show from 4 to 5 on TogiNet. And then uh, from 5.30 to 6.30, we'll be on Blog Talk Radio. However, after tomorrow, we will be 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. on Blog Talk Radio only. So that's pretty exciting. We're really excited. We're going to expand that as we can. By the way, the chat room is open uh, for your comments and questions, actually, if you want to send in a question. I'm happy to uh, also say that my son at Liberty University is listening in today. So welcome, son. Glad to have you. Here's the crazy thing. Today is the three-year anniversary of my car crash that nearly killed me. And I didn't remember that until last night. And uh, the lady in the back reminded me and said, you know what tomorrow is? And I'm like, no, that's the anniversary of your crash. I was like, ooh, I didn't forget. Now, I do have a brain injury, so that could that could stand a reason. But this crash nearly killed me, changed my life, but it also killed a 17-year-old boy named Andre Smith, who we knew real well, football player from the school, played football with my son. And so we pray for his family today. Uh, while it almost killed me, it did kill him, and, and uh, 17, awful young to go. His dash so to speak, closed on this day three years ago. So, okay, replacement theology. We dig in today into what uh, makes this emissary Shaul, uh, which is the Hebrew name for Paul. Uh, I don't know how they got Paul out of Shaul, but okay. I don't know how they got Peter out of Kepha, but okay, too. He's <laughs> um, fired up, and he's flinging truth everywhere. So we're going to fling some truth. So why don't we get started? We're going to do some um, some reading, give us background, because we missed last week, obviously. So we're going to catch you up on where we are a little bit. We're going to go back just a tiny bit, just so we can have some context. All right, here we go. Buckle up. 2 Corinthians 3, 5, and then following. It is not that we are competent in ourselves to count anything as having come from us. On the contrary, our competence is from God. He has even made us competent to be workers serving a new covenant, the essence of which is not a written text, but the Spirit. For the written text brings death, but the Spirit gives life. Now, if that which worked death by means of a written text engraved on stone tablets came with glory, such glory that the people of Israel could not stand to look at Moshe. Now, that's Moses. Remember what we said uh, a couple weeks ago. If Moses walked in the room and we said, Moses, yo, North Philly, you know, that would be what you'd say. Uh, but but if Moses, if we yelled out Moses, he would be like, huh, well, who's here? Who's here? I don't know who's here. Uh, but if we said Moshe, he would know who we were talking about because the names are not related. I know. It's crazy. So they could not stand to look at Moshe's face because of its brightness, even though that was already fading away. Won't the working of the Spirit be accompanied by even greater glory? For if there was glory in what worked to declare people guilty, how much more must the glory abound in what works to declare people innocent? 
In fact, by comparison with this greater glory, what was made glorious before has no glory now. For if there was glory in what faded away, how much more glory must there be in what lasts? And now for your pondering pleasure, more great and to the point, in your face, writing by Shaul or Paul, the emissary. Now, let me just say, I go to Galatians. I know this is a study on Second Corinthians. So suddenly, you get all your money back for this message. <clears throat> the book of Galatians is a Pauline epistle. What that means is Shaul wrote. Uh, it was written by the emissary Paul about 49 A.D., which means it was 49 years after what happened. The crucifixion, the death of Christ. It's close, though. 49 A.D., yeah. Yeah, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. Yeah. You're not stupid. Nobody's stupid. I've been stupid before. Uh, Prior to the Jerusalem Council, which had taken place in 50 A.D., this quite possibly could have been Paul's first letter. So isn't that funny? Galatians, Paul's first letter. Now, he's going to throw down here, so you've got to be prepared. I don't know how many have read this. Galatians 2, we'll start in 11. By the way, I'm reading from, and thank you, Jerry, for always reminding the complete Jewish Bible. I meant to bring uh, I meant to bring you guys one. I was going to give you one. Nah. Furthermore, when Kepha, which is Peter, I know, sounds so similar, came to Antioch, I opposed him publicly because he was he was clearly in the wrong. That's what it really does say. That's really what it says. He was clearly in the wrong. See, Shaul, he, he didn't play. This guy did not play. A lot of people think, like sometimes we think churches, I know I've stopped, I've got one verse read, uh, but we think that churches should be this fluffy place where everybody gets along, everybody sings kumbaya, uh, and, and just everything is fine. But listen, if you've ever been to Israel, you realize those people argue. They argue. They have vigorous discussions. They don't mess around. They're, they're, you know, if they disagree, that's how you learn. Your, your, your rebbe, your rabbi. Sometimes you talk to them. And you say, you know, there's a lot of respect, but there's a lot of questions. And I bet they don't drink water out of a bottle. Maybe they do. Talmud, Talmudim. Yep. Yeah. All of that stuff. The debate. The great debate. Okay. So clearly in the wrong. He's he's throwing down the the gauntlet. With Kepha. For prior to the arrival, this is 12, just for fun. For prior to, prior to the arrival of certain people from the community headed by Ya'alko, uh, he had been eating with the Gentile believers. ruh But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he was afraid of the faction who favored circumcising Gentile believers. Now, let me just throw some fact on you. Uh, last week, how many listened to the resurrection message last week? Jesus who tortured love. If you haven't listened to that, download that. Go go on and listen to the last message from last Sunday. It, it's being posted even as we speak to the Facebook page now. I don't know how he's doing it, but he is, and I just trust it. I never ask. I just say, okay, so he is the superhero, Captain America up in here. So, so just so you know, when he says the faction who favored circumcising Gentile believers, you know how they circumcised Gentile believers. The sharp rock, and they was grown. Yeah, just ponder that for a minute. Now, for the men in the room, it'll, that'll hit them a little closer than for the women's. Okay, so 13. And the other Jewish believers became hypocrites along with him, 
so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not walking a straight path, God bless you, walking a straight path, keeping in line with the truth of the good news, I said to Kepha, right in front of everyone. Now, it really does say this, right in front of everyone. If you who are a Jew live like a goy and not like a Jew, why are you forcing the goyim to live like Jews? In other words, goyim are Gentiles. I'm a goyim. I'm a Gentile. We are Jews by birth, not so-called goyim sinners. Even so, we have come to realize that a person is not declared righteous by God of his legalistic observance of Torah commands, but through the Messiah Yeshua's trusting faithfulness. Therefore, we too have put our trust in Messiah Yeshua and have become faithful to him in order that we might be declared righteous on the ground of the Messiah's trusting faithfulness and not on the ground of our legalistic observance of Torah commands. For on the ground of legalistic observance, you all hear me now? Uh, he didn't say, for on the ground of Torah commands. He said, for on the ground of, can I get an amen? I'm so shocked. I'm not hearing anything. For on the ground of legalistic observance of Torah commands, no one will be declared righteous. Can I say it again? For on the ground of legalistic observance of Torah commands, no one will be declared righteous. Or genealogy. But if, in seeking to be declared righteous by God through our union with the Messiah, then, okay, here, let me, let me back up for a second, because I think this is important. I wasn't going to mention this, but then you know how I get. But if, if, in seeking to be declared righteous by God through our union with the Messiah, to be declared righteous by God through our union with the Messiah, we ourselves are indeed found to be sinners. Then is Messiah an aider and a better of sin? Heaven forbid. Indeed, if I build up again, the legalistic bondage destroyed. Oh, hello to my friend, my dear, dear friend in Brooklyn, 85-year-old wonderful friend logging in. Look at you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm honored to have you join us. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, that's just awesome to have you. Boy, I got me choked up there, brother. So we it, we ourselves are indeed found to be sinners when then this is the now he's gonna probably now he's you know what he's gonna do. He's gonna post a bunch of stuff on there and he's gonna trip me up. Indeed, if I build up against the legalistic bondage which I destroyed, I really do make myself a transgressor. Now again, he didn't say indeed if I build up again against the Torah, the legalistic bondage which I destroyed. Legalistic bondage. He keeps saying legalistic. That must be important. I don't know. For it was through letting the Torah speak for itself that I died to its traditional legalistic misinterpretation. Shaul really does say this. This is what he really does say. So that I might live in direct relationship with God. When the Messiah was executed on the stake criminal, I was too, so that my proud ego no longer lives, but the Messiah lives in me. And, and the life I now live in my body, I live by the same trusting faithfulness that the Son of God had, who loved me, gave himself up for me. 
I do not reject God's gracious gift, for if the way in which one attains righteousness is through legalism, then the Messiah's death was pointless. Now, we all know the Messiah's death was not pointless. All right. So if you think Paul is calling it out there, <laughs> you haven't seen anything yet. Galatians 3, he starts off, Galatians 3, chapter 3, you stupid Galatians. He actually said that. Who has put you under a spell? Before your very eyes, Yeshua the Messiah was clearly portrayed as having been put to death as a criminal. I want you to know from you just this one thing. Did you receive the Spirit, here we go again, by legalistic observance of Torah commands or by trusting in what you heard and being faithful to it? Are you that stupid? 3-3, three, three, he says, are you that stupid? Uh, I don't have it down here, but I'll find it. I will find it. <laughs> I've probably been called it by one of the people that are listening right now. Because what do I know? What is it? Veshemel. Are you that Vishemel? Vishemel. Okay. I, I probably have been called that. Are you that stupid? Having begun with the Spirit's power, do you think you can reach under reach the goal under your own power? Have you suffered so much for nothing? If that's the way you think, your suffering will certainly have been for nothing. Now, I want to just be clear. Your suffering, he, remember, the tether is to the legalistic observance and practice of Torah. Not suffering as in you, you get beat up for being a Christian. It's not that. It's it's for legalistically and and just you know whoa 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 this is the law here you're doing wrong. Look at me, I'm doing the right thing. You're doing the wrong thing. You you're doing the wrong thing. All you people, you're doing the wrong thing. We got to do this because this is the right thing. Because I'm good. If you pay attention, you see I'm good. Right. If, that, if that's your deal, then. You know, you're you're out of luck. You've suffered so much for nothing. What about God who supplies you with the spirit and works the spirit and works miracles among you because he does it because of your legalistic observance of Torah commands or because you trust in what you heard and are faithful to it? Which is it? Is is God has he given you the spirit because you've followed up the rules? And you're like, look, God, you got to bless me. You see how I did this over here? Check mark, check mark, check mark, check mark, all the way down. You've listened to me before. You know eventually where we're getting with this. It was the same with Abraham, which is Abraham. He trusted in God and was faithful to him. Wait a second. Is there ice cream here? I smell ice cream. Oh, brutal people. Brutal. Who brought that? I missed it. I walked right by. Oh, Gloria. Oh, no, thank you. No, thank you. I just smelled it. Can you believe that? I just smelled it. I got a whiff of it. No, no, I smelled ice cream. Trust me when I tell you. This schnoz, I smell ice cream. So listen to what he says here. What about God who supplies you with the Spirit and work miracles among you? Does he do it because of your legalistic observance of Torah commands or because you trust in what you heard and are faithful? to it. It was the same with Abraham. He trusted in God and was faithful to him. It's righteousness. Be assured then that it is those who live by trusting and being faithful who are really children of Abraham. Also, Tanakh, foreseeing that God would consider the Gentiles righteous when they live by trusting and being faithful. 
Gentiles did not do what? They did not observe Torah. Why? Because they didn't know anything about Torah. They didn't know how to. They hadn't been to Hebrew school. They hadn't been to, you know, they hadn't done any of that stuff. They weren't allowed. You're not in. Like the uh, the bakery. How many Muslim bakeries are making uh, gay cakes and, and uh, you know, serving bacon burgers? Zero. Zero. None. Saying halal to the, uh, but apparently as Christians, we have to make cakes for, for gay weddings and stuff. Go figure. Anyways, not foreseeing that God would consider the Gentiles righteous when they live by trusting and being faithful, told the good news to Abraham in advance by saying, in connection with you, hello, this is important, in connection with you, all the goyim will be blessed. What? What? He's opening up a blessing to us even back then in the days of Abraham. We're goyim except for the Jews that are here. What do you mean? So, I, you know, is that not big? I think that, that should be huge. It's giant. We have hope. We have hope. In connection with you, all the Goyim will be blessed. So then, those who rely trusting, rely on trusting and being faithful are blessed along with Abraham, who trusted and was faithful. For everyone who depends on legalistic observance of Torah, he puts the word legalistic before observance of Torah. He is not saying those who observe Torah. He is saying that those who are legalistic, religious Rottweilers, if you want to know more about that, that's a, a, a copyrighted phrase of mine. I've trademarked it. And it's Judaizers, yeah. And it's in my book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. You can get that book on the website or a bunch of places. Someplace, I don't know. What is it, Amazon? Um, anyway, so that's pretty important. I think that's a big deal. For everyone who depends on legalistic observance of Torah commands lives under a curse. Since it is written, cursed is everyone who does not keep on doing everything written in the scroll of the Torah. Now it is evident that, okay, that's kind of big. It is evident that no one comes to be declared righteous by God through legalism. Since the person who is righteous will attain life by trusting and being faithful. Furthermore, legalism does not say Torah. He says legalism is not based on trusting and being faithful, but on a misuse of the text that says anyone who does these things will attain life through them. If you just do something, where's your intent? You're just doing it like, look, i got to do this thing, and I don't, I just want I want to get the salvation part. I want to get the, you know, I get to go to heaven part. I want to do that, so I'm just going to do these things. Cause I'm, well, the idea of heaven was kind of foreign, but then uh, they didn't have a full, clear picture of like we do now. Uh, sometimes I think, I think they knew more than we know. In fact, a lot of times I think they knew more because of how they lived. They lived really close to the edge. You know, life and death was really close to each other, especially during this time. Anyone who does these things will attain life through them. In other words, just by observing them, the 613 rules of Torah, you are going to be the instructions of Torah just by doing it. But it's not just by doing it. What is the important thing here? The faith, the intent, what are some other words? Faith, intent, heart, obedience, any other. The following 
This is what's huge. It's not obedience to the rules. And he says this here three or four times. And it sounds to me like he's getting exasperated. I would think his pen is digging into the into the uh, the wasn't parchment, but a kind of the onion paper. Um, just digging in at this point because he was really, really papyrus. Yeah, he was really digging in, or sheepskin, or whatever he was writing on. He was really digging in at this point because he was probably mad. Look, people, I've told you this before. Why don't y'all listen? The Messiah redeemed us from. That's not in the Bible. That's not even in the complete Jewish Bible. Why don't you all listen? Why don't you all listen? It's not in there. That was me. The Messiah redeemed us from the curse pronounced in the Torah by becoming cursed on our behalf. For the Tanakh says, everyone who hangs from a stake comes under a curse. Yeshua the Messiah did so that in union with him, the Gentiles might receive the blessing announced to Abraham, so that through trusting and being faithful, we might receive what was promised, namely the Spirit. Kind of big. Should be in bold letters. Brothers, let me make an analogy from everyday life. This is what he says. This is Shaul talking here. When someone swears an oath, no one else can set it aside or add to it. Now, promises were made to Abraham and to his seed, who are the seed of Abraham. The, the Jews. So when we talk about Israel and, eh, you know, you should give back the land. Look, make those Muslims happy. Just give them the land. They'll be, you'll just be, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Just give them back the land. Just give them this land over here. You don't want that land. Give it back to them. It'll be fine. We're all happy. But has that ever happened? How many times, how many times have the, uh, Israel given given land? I mean, it becomes desert again. It's vibrant land under Hebrew control, but we turn it over to the Arabs, and it becomes uh, Muslims, and it becomes what? It becomes wasteland because they are the culture of death, the culture of waste, the culture of death, the culture of darkness and sorrow, whereas the Hebrew people are the culture of life. It's pretty easy to see. I wish our politicians would listen to that. Oh, wait, maybe they know that, and maybe they might be for that. Who knows? Now the promises were made to Abraham and his seed. It does say it doesn't say and to seeds as if to many. On the contrary, it's it speaks of one and to your seed, and this one is the Messiah. Here's what I'm saying. The legal part of the Torah, which came into being four hundred and thirty years later, does not nullify an oath sworn by God so as to abolish the promise. Hello. That's kind of important. So he's not saying do away. Now, people, I'm sure I'm going to get a bunch of messages saying, hey, uh, you know, now you're saying I'm going to be Torah observant. I don't even know what that is. Now I'm on Google looking it up. I don't know what you're talking about. What do I got to give up? Bacon, pork tenderloin, crabs, you know, clams, all that stuff. You know, what, when do I work? Uh, when do I When do I not work? When is Shabbat? Uh, you know, how do I observe these things? What do I do? What are these observances? I don't even know. So I don't even know what I'm not observing. So you're telling me now I need to go and look up these laws and do all these things? Not necessarily. What I'm telling you is, is God, if God puts that on your heart, if you feel, you know what, I'm going to start here, and I'm going to try to observe what I can out of my testimony of faith, out of the intent of my heart, I'm going to do these things. I'm going to observe these things. 
But it, what is being said here is you have to understand the oath and what comes from the instruction of Torah is not abolished. It's not abolished, even though Christ has come. For, the inherit, for if the inheritance comes from the legal part of the Torah, it no longer comes from a promise. But God gave it to Abraham through a promise. So then, why the legal part of Torah? Now, that's crack you're dealing with right there, young man. I hope you know. Have you had one? Oh, good Lord. Wes, the dealer, he says, now, we have some things here. What are those things called? What, Lancaster? They're like uh, caramel things. They go through this place like wildfire. I'm telling you, it's crazy. Legal heroin is what they are. Yeah, they're amazing. So then, why the legal part of the Torah? It was added in order to create transgressions until the coming of the seed about whom the promise had been made. Moreover, it was handed down through the angels and a mediator. Now, a mediator implies more than one, but God is one. This is a very important verse. Does this mean that the legal part of the Torah stands in opposition to God's promises? Heaven forbid. For if the legal part of the Torah, which God gave, had had in itself the power to give life, then righteousness really would have come by legalistically following the Torah. So in other words, if you just kept the check marks, if you just did those things, then that would have we wouldn't have needed Hamashiach. We wouldn't have needed Christ. We just would have we just would have just gone along. There'd been nothing different. But prophecy told another thing. The way we lived, the way the people lived at that time and the way we live now. I mean we can we can argue that we're crazy folk now the way we live in this country. It's it's crazy. It's ridiculous. We're just thumbing our nose and thumbing our nose and thumbing our nose at God. You know? It's just nuts. But it is. It is happening. But instead, the Tanakh shuts up everything under sin so that what has been promised might be given on the basis of Yeshua the Messiah's trusting faithfulness to those who continue to be trustingly faithful. Mm, Maybe I should read that again. But instead, the Tanakh shuts up everything under sin so that what had been promised might be given on the basis of Yeshua the Messiah's trusting faithfulness to those who continue to be trustingly faithful. Now, before the, before the time for this trusting faithfulness came, we were imprisoned in subjection to the system which results from perverting the Torah into legalism. That really is in there. Perverting the Torah into legalism. In other words, you know how people get... Why do we, what do we call our Congress people? We call them... A euphemism is... Yeah, never mind. Whoa, whoa. Now, we can't, we can't call them that. Not on the radio. Yeah, this is God and country. Sean, we can't say that. Uh, no, it's, it's... We call them legislators. Yeah, they're our servants, but they don't know that. Legislators. We call them legislators. Right. Right. And what they do, what they feel like their purpose is, is to make laws. What is their purpose? Yeah, well, that's what they think, to keep themselves in office. But what is their true purpose? <laughs> to take our money. To, to, to serve us through what? There are employees, and their job is to ensure that the Constitution is properly observed. And can we not argue that the Constitution of the United States of America has been perverted severely? And so what they do is they come in the law like Obamacare. I think somebody told me the other day it's actually up to 70. The, the amended main version is up to 7,200 pages. And literally, 
Betsy McCoy, uh, Lieutenant Governor Betsy McCoy, she was former Lieutenant Governor of, of New York, who, whom I know, amazingly, one of these days I'm going to have her on my show, she knows that thing inside now, and, and I, she's read it word for word. But here's the thing. Let, let's talk about really quickly, and I, I don't want to get too far into this because I want to try to talk a little bit about it on tomorrow's show, but Iran and this agreement, air quotes, that, by the way, Iran is saying they're liars. We're not agreeing to that. But Kerry and uh, Secretary of State Kerry and Obama's talking heads, what all are they saying? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're, this is good. We're agreed. We're, we're in good shape. These people love us. We've brought peace to the nation, peace to the world. But what is Benjamin Netanyahu saying? Bibi Netanyahu is saying, you're going to get us all killed, you idiot. Who would know better? Netanyahu. But Netanyahu is the echoing of what the Iranian leaders are saying themselves. Why is this important to what we're talking to here? Because our legislators create a legalistic, crushing, oppressive. Let's look at the the dear people that make pizzas at Memories Pizza and can't and they they were asked to cater first of all, not for nothing. You're catering a wedding at a pizza place? Hello. You save up a while. I'm just saying. You know, but this is where they're doing this wedding? Come on now. I thought that the gays were like flamboyant and flashy. Yeah, what's the total setup? We we do all know that now. But here's the deal, though. Here's the crazy deal. These people have been shut down for weeks. Why? Because they're told you have to do this. You're violating. You know, you can't do this. Meanwhile, you look at Crowder. Every anybody go on uh, the internet and look at Crowder. Uh, loud, louder with Crowder. Go on YouTube and put in louder with Crowder. I'm telling you, this guy, he, he dressed up as a gay man and pretended to be gay and goes into all these halal bakeries and saying that he wants a gay cake. And and they're like, uh, we can't do that. You have to go over there to the Acme. Uh, they go to the next one. No, no, we, we can't do that. We can't do that here. We have to go over here. Well, no, then just don't put a picture on it. Just put script, you know, and all. No, we, I'm sorry. We can't do that here. And sent them on. Well, this baker, she had sold them cakes and stuff and pastries, whatever, before from her bakery. She was very nice. They liked her. She liked them. But when it came to marrying, providing a cake for a, a gay wedding, she was against it. It's on the Facebook page now. I don't know. I think Sean is a lot smarter. Challenging. Than I don't know how he does that. Thought-provoking. So, uh, insightful. You know, here's the thing. Here's this the is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country. With a pedal to the metal. With this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. 
Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. And to me, it's not that much harder to do that than it is to fluff something up and to make people tickle their ears. All that said to say this, I think it's important, it's very, very important at this point to understand the term legalism applies to what? When something is, when we're speaking of something's legality, we're speaking of its lawfulness. We are a nation governed by laws. And the legislators, and this is what we say in our common vernacular, the legislators, they want to get their names on legislation, unless you're Barack Obama, in which case, you know, present, present, present. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, you know, but there's others. There's others there that are the same. They don't put their name on anything. They don't stand for anything. They stay kind of out of the fray. But but here's the crazy thing. Here's the really, really crazy thing that um, I think is very, very important to make this connection. What Shaul is saying here is, it's not about the legalism. What do we got a problem? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's probably on a de- delay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't hear it either. We would hear it, I think. Let's see. Sorry, guys, we have a little bit of a technical issue, a technical issue. So anyway, uh, so so the legalism, the legalism that we're talking about here uh, is something that do we have enough laws? I think. Do we? I mean, I don't want to influence you. Do we have it? How many pages is the IRS code now? I think it's more than that. It's actually two rooms, floor ceiling stacked side to side. Uh, two 10 by 10 rooms stacked side by side. No room in between for mice and all the way to the back. A mouse would jump in a glass and kill itself if it was in that room. I'm just saying. It would drown itself. This is this is what we've tolerated. Now, this is kind of what was happening here because people were perverting the Torah, and they were it was an element of uh, you were elevated in society, so to speak, if you were this. And then there's this whole Jewish Gentile deal hitting. You know, they're bashing. Kind of understandable because what do we have? We have 34 First Baptist churches. You know, because they got in an argument over the carpet, or they got in an argument over the music, or the piano was too loud, or Whatever, you know, and, and then, oh, that's it, I'm out of here. Or they get in an argument over something stupid, and what have we done? We've divided, and we didn't conquer anything. We've just been circular firing squad, and we do that on the, on the uh, I don't want to say the Republican side. I, I, I hesitate to say that because it's not a Republican issue, it's a conservative issue. And I struggle a lot with this topic, and I talk about this in churches, is I don't understand how you can be uh, a Christian. Let's take Barack Hussein Obama just for fun. Uh, you know, the guy says he's he says he's what's that? Yeah, <laughs> from the front row, you can have him. Uh, let's take Barack Obama. You can have him. Uh, that was a good one. I like that. Uh, so here's the thing: looking at Barack Obama, he says that he's a Christian. Now he walks all around it. You'll notice when he when he's asked this question, he does not go directly to it. He finds a way to tap dance around it. 
So he's in a church where they have liberation theology. Uh, Jeremiah Wright, you know, just a, just an evil dude. If you if you knew this stuff goes on in this church, you'd realize he's a super evil dude. But Barack, and apparently I'm allowed to call him Barack because I just got an email the other day signed Barack to me, wanting to know, hey, are you with us this year? Because we haven't heard from you in a while. How about some money? Three dollars? He always loves to ask for three dollars. But then when you click on the donate thing just for fun, three dollars is not an option. Starts at like twenty five dollars. Hey, what happened to three dollars? This is inflation. I'm not voting for you. Um, so in one email, you went from three dollars to twenty five dollars. It's unsustainable. So so this guy's faith, this guy's faith is talk about unsustainable. It, it's impossible to reconcile the tenets of our faith, which we we know is the 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 pro-life and, and all these things. This guy, one of the first things he did was he can't, the guy can't prove he's alive. He can't produce evidence that we can look at and go, yeah, that's what. So here's the, here's the thing. This, this guy and others like him, I look around and I see churches and I see people that say, I wish you wouldn't talk about abortion. Now, is that a law uh, from a legalism standpoint? Are we looking at, am I perverting the law when I say that to kill a child is wrong. It's just wrong. It's one of the commandments, right? It's God's law. Which God's law is what are what are our inalienable rights? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of first, you know? So so but we've seen a lot of perversion of law. And what can happen when law gets out of hand? It gets perverted because it does what? It brings power and abuse of power when you have the strings of the purse. And listen, not for nothing, but kind of remember what we talked about with some of the crazy stuff that was happening in the Corinthian church? You know, they had some crazy stuff going on. Oh, hey, whoa, you know, you gave Morris widow. Well, she's not technically a widow. And there was just all kinds of nutty stuff going on, just nutty stuff going on. We kind of do that now in Washington, drive through Washington. You can feel the money being sucked out of your billfold. It's just, that's a fact. I mean, I can feel it. I look around and I think, this building is ripping me off. That building is ripping me off. That, Yeah. Washington, D.C., the highest per capita income in the country. And who are the predominant employees there? Public employees. They are not. You need to take this out of your vernacular. They are not public servants. I've served in Congress. They're highly paid. I said this last week, and somebody sent me a, a um, uh, I don't know, some kind of message. Uh, it wasn't an instant message. I can't remember what it was, but it was. I didn't recognize when it came in. But uh, and said they don't make one hundred and seventy-four thousand dollars a year to start. I said yes, they do. They're like no way. I, I said look it up. It's easy. I'm not making up numbers. They start at one hundred and seventy-four thousand. And it doesn't stop there, folks. Their benefits package is incredible. Plus, they get money from all these other places. Anyway, lots and everything. So my point in this is, is back in this biblical time, they perverted the law. Well, they do now. They pervert the law. We, haven't, we have not beaten this down. We have not yet beaten this down. For whatever reason, we haven't beaten it down. I think... This is just me. I think that it's from the pulpits. The pulpits got soft, and that was that. And everything started to go backwards at that point. But it became about the ceremony, the ritual, 
the observance of the ritual, and all about keeping your job. I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Accordingly, the Torah functioned as a custodian until the Messiah came so that we might be declared righteous on the ground of being trusting and being faithful. But now that the time for this trusting faithfulness has come, we are no longer under a custodian. For in union with the Messiah, you are all children of God through this trusting faithfulness, because as many as of, as many of you as were immersed into the Messiah have clothed yourselves with the Messiah, in whom there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free man, neither male nor female. For in union with the Messiah Yeshua, you are all one. Amen. Gets even better. Also, if you belong to the Messiah, you are seed of Abraham and heirs according to the purpose, to promise. Let me read that again. Also, if you belong to the Messiah, you are seed of Abraham or Abraham and heirs according to the promise. All right. Matthew 5.17. We all kind of know that, I think. Don't think that I have come to abolish the Torah or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to complete, to make their meaning full. Now, that's I just finished with my introduction. <laughs> just kidding. Really. So, so here's the thing. Replacement theology, which wrongly teaches that the church has replaced the Jews as God's people. They're understanding these different verses, but back to the Corinthian verse, verse 5, the first one I read, um, Yeshua's, so this is the two ways, Yeshua's fulfilling the Torah is thought to mean that it is unnecessary for people to fulfill it now. But there is no logic to the proposition that Yeshua's fulfilling the Torah does away with our need to obey it. In fact, Shaul, or Paul, whose object in this letter to the Romans to foster the obedience that comes from trusting in Yeshua. Teaches that such trusting does not abolish Torah, but confirms it. See Romans 1, 5 and 3.31. Second, here's the other reason why they're reading this wrong. With identical lack of logic, Yeshua's fulfilling the prophets is thought to imply that no prophecies from the Tanakh remain for the Jews, but the Hebrew Bible's promises to the Jews are not abolished in the name of being fulfilled in Yeshua. Rather, Fulfillment in Yeshua is an added assurance that everything God has promised the Jews will yet come to pass. It talks about that in 2 Corinthians one twenty, and then some after that. So it is true that Yeshua kept the Torah perfectly and fulfilled predictions of the prophets, but that's not the point here. Not the point. Yeshua did not come to abolish, but to make full, which is plerosai. In Greek, it's plerosai. Um or plerosai, the meaning of, and oddly enough, if you say it different, that first E, if you pronounce that, it means something slightly different, believe it or not, um, in the Greek. The meaning of what the Torah and the ethical demands of the prophets require. Thus, he came to complete our understanding of the Torah and the prophets so that we can try more effectively to be and to do what they say and do. Now, I talk a lot about this, and do you remember, um, well, recently, I think it was last week, obviously, um, Bill O'Reilly, and I don't want to give any props to Bill O'Reilly, because I'll be honest, I just don't care for the guy. 
uh, not personally, you know, we're not buds or anything, so I'm not saying this personally, but professionally I, th- I think he's weak. Uh, theologically, he is just, he's, he's so far off. But he's the most popular number one news, news talk show on television for how many years running. The guy is so far ahead of his nearest competition that he gets a lot of um, people listen to him, right? You know, you don't get to be number one without without a lot of people listening to you. So this guy says things that, quite frankly, are just completely and utterly false. Do I believe that Bill O'Reilly believes what he's saying? Yes, I think he believes it. Uh, but he differs from God. He differs from Scripture dramatically, and so last week, how many of you saw Killing Jesus? It's from a bestseller book. I mean, it's a huge seller, runaway bestseller. Everything Bill O'Reilly writes, which he doesn't write it by himself, he writes it with a, a co-writer. But his co-writer is phenomenal. He does so many other people's books. Amazing writer. But factually, it's just way off. It's just so far off. How many know uh, here and in the listening audience over the radio that the lead actor who played Yeshua, or Jesus, was Muslim. Still is Muslim. How crazy is that? How much sense does it make? Now, I want to ask, if I were to be able to interview Bill O'Reilly, I would say, which he, wouldn't ask, he wouldn't answer this question, but how does it come to be to play the role of Yeshua? Who made that decision? Who said, hey, you know who we're going to pick for Jesus? We're going to find a Muslim because they love us. How much sense does that make? This is just me guessing. Let me tell you, if that guy on the show, uh, one of the other members for people at home can't hear, um, the, the, the statement was that Bill O'Reilly said that the reason he was picked, the Muslim guy was picked, because he did the best job at the audition. I'm telling you, they should have had a couple more days of auditions. Could find... Oy. Uh, that's debatable, too. Yeah, somebody in the audience brought up that um, that he was picked before O'Reilly even knew that he was. O'Reilly didn't know, hey, let's pick a Muslim, which I, I get you. But at some point when you know and you're, it's being done from your book, and he had a lot of power over this and he's making a ton of money off of it, you find out this guy's 100% Muslim. Do you ask some more questions? So how did it happen that this guy gets even auditioned? What you know, wouldn't we interview either a Jew or somebody from uh the Christian faith? You know, what's the guy's name uh that played in the Passion? Super nice guy, Passion of the Christ. Uh Jim Caviezel. I'm pretty sure Jim Caviezel could come out of uh his show for a little while and and play that role cuz the boy can the boy can play Jesus like nobody else. There has to have been somebody else. That's just me. I'm just throwing that out there. So you have to wonder to yourself, how does this happen in this society? And what in the world does this have to do with what I'm talking about? I came not to destroy, but to fulfill. Um, This Anglican Christian writer, Brigitte uh, Young-Hughes, which, amazing, if you get a chance to read any of their work, I came not to destroy, but to fulfill, and surely to fulfill means to complete in the sense of bringing to perfection, not as Christians have all too often interpreted it, to render obsolete, to fulfill in such a way 
as to perfect a foundation on which to build further. I will read it again. Thank you. You read my mind. I came not to destroy, but to fulfill, and surely to fulfill means to complete, in the sense of bringing to perfection, not as Christians have all too often interpreted it, to render obsolete. To fulfill in such a way as to perfect a foundation on which to build further. You can find that in Christianity's Jewish Heritage, Sussex, Angel Press, 1998, or 1988, it's on page 8, and it's in the Jewish New Testament Commentary. There's a commentary that goes right with this. It helps explain everything. So I want to read this uh, verbatim. These are tricky passages which requires a greater knowledge of Hebrew. I say this all the time. People hear me say this. Of Hebrew idiomatic context. In order to fully understand what is actually what is actually being said. The tablets in Second Corinthians here likely refer to human flesh hearts. Anyway, now let's go back. Let's go back to the, the discussion of legalism and the legalistic observance of Torah. People, I get Whenever I say this, people just flip out on me. I don't know why, uh, which is fine. I'm okay with that. Uh, but they say, so you're saying that I'm supposed to observe Torah. If I'm a real Christian, I'm a real follower of the way, I've got to observe Torah. And I always say that, much to the chagrin of a lot of other people that are in kind of my movement, uh, they say, yeah, that's what it means. We're all to follow Torah. But my thing is, is if you follow it just because you say, okay, this is a checkbox that I have to mark uh, in order to be in the, on the team, then God knows the intent of your heart. He knows all that stuff that's going on inside your heart and in your soul. So he knows, are you doing it for the right reasons or are you just trying to check boxes? Now, people also follow up and ask me, do you follow Torah? Some of it, I do, and I don't ignore or abuse other parts of it because that's not the intent of my heart. It's crabs. Hello, grew up at Sussex County, Delaware on the on the water. That's a staple there. But the point of all this is is that um, it's a process. It's a journey. And I, I say to a lot of people, um, I have a dear friend who's an Orthodox Jew, and he doesn't flip a switch on. There's no switch flipped. There's I mean, he he is a strict orthodox orthodox Jew. He wears the same type of clothes all the time, has the same type of closures. Everything is you know, down the line. But I also know his heart. And he does out of worship to God. He's not like, oh, with the Torah. You know, I gotta do this again. You know, wasn't it last week? You know, I volts all these Shabbat. No, no, it's he doesn't do it out of that. It's it's he can't wait. And his friends they love to come over and observe Shabbat with him. They they love to come because he's so full of life. He's just you know, it's so exciting. But when before they're like, What are you nuts? You don't flip a switch? You don't turn on electric? What do you mean? You cook everything in advance. What what is this? So you're not working? What is that? And they just look at him like he's nuts. He says, come with me. He doesn't yell at him. He doesn't say, you know, oh, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're in hell because you're not doing this. He says, come with me. Come with me. You'll love it. And they come and they, and they, and they worship through his observance. They, they see the steps that he takes. All that said to say this. It's where is your heart? 
where's your heart? Because Shaul was just as much saying, folks, where's your heart? Where's your heart? You're All this fighting over the goyim or the Gentiles, you know, oh, you're eating with the Gentiles. No. You're eating with the Gentiles. Uh, you know, we can't. Everything stops when you eat with the Gentiles. People were getting stuck. People were getting stuck on that. And not the greater observance, which was to be faithful to Hamashiach. Now, I might say, and, and it's a time pass where I would say, uh, thank you, I, where I would say, hey, you know, um, how, how would I put it in, in days past? Um, I would say that the fight, there was a time in the past where I would say the argument or the fight that they had was misplaced because they they unfairly uh, kind of got in Kepha's face. You know, because you saw here at the beginning of the passage, the first passage I read, he was he shut Kepha down. Now, who walked with Yeshua? Kepha. But here comes Shaul saying, eh, you're wrong. Don't do this anymore. You know what that's called? You know, we call we call uh, a lot of people in the press call Ted Cruz a a uh, grandstander. You know what I call him? A leader, willing to stand by himself. I think we're in this place as a church today because we were afraid to stand. It started with the pulpits and it worked its way all the way back. So what I would encourage you to do this week is is as you read through Second Corinthians, uh, we're going to come back next week. We probably only have about three more weeks maybe, of Second Corinthians, believe it or not, because this really gets compressed in the following weeks. But I wanted to really emphasize this part because it's so important when we talk about it. We don't want to get this wrong. But listen, I appreciate all of you being here. Uh, if you can come, uh, if you're ever in the Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Jersey uh, area, Maryland, come and see us. We have a lot of fun here. It's a blast. All right. Come back and see us. Join us tomorrow on the radio show. We'd love to have you. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.